It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to cboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at turnboot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Also on the panel today, we have Sarah Smith-Berry of Frigo Consulting. Sarah is a psychometrician, veteran advocate, consultant, and modern stoic. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach, and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is going to be part two of our uh, series here on <laughs> the way that your employer is spying on you. Um, Jeremy, we're going to take a look today at um, a couple of the platforms and the type of things that they're doing and once again, you know, if if 80 to 90% of companies we believe are using this type of software, is your company using it? Chances are you don't know. So, Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about two specific examples that you've got for us. Yeah, certainly. And if you're tuning into this podcast and you haven't seen the last episode, uh, listen to that, you know, listen to that one first, because it is a, th- this is the scene. And you'll you'll have a much better understanding. We are blazing into here with uh, companies tracking. And we were looking at in the last episode, we were looking at some of the actual technologies that are being used. And we were having a field day because we were looking at pretty graphs and everything. I was looking at the graphs thinking, maybe this isn't such a bad idea just because I like looking at the graphs. So here, Zoom, did you guys know Zoom has a monitoring feature that you can that can be enabled that I'll read, I'll read right here. So again, this all sparked from the CNBC.com article. Even if you're working from home, your employer is still keeping track of your productivity. Here's what you know. So yes, your laptop's being monitored. Maybe, maybe your uh, keystrokes. Quote, Zoom's monitoring features have been put in the spotlight recently. Specifically, some have expressed concern about a feature that allows hosts to see that a participant has not had the Zoom app in focus. My guess is, I think, right, it's, it's minimized. They're not, it's, it's on a second screen. It's not, if they're off it for at least 30 seconds while the screen sharing feature is, because this is what happens. It's somebody's the screen share, right? Your manager's put up a PowerPoint. Like, oh, my picture's a little smaller. Nobody's going to see where my eyes are going. So I'm just going to minimize my app and I'm going to do something else. But if you do that for 30 seconds, say, oh, man. This person's not involved. So how, oh, it does not apply to Zoom video. It only applies to sharing. Okay. Wow. What do you, what do you think? 
Tom, or, or Tom, are you here? I, sh- I need to check my tracking device <laughs> I put in your shoot today to see what you're doing and what you're looking at. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I could, you know, Sarah was telling us a story about how delinquent she was as a high school student, and I can sort of, <laughs> you know, see an application for something like high school, you know, but for your employees, I mean, and and yeah, you know, if you're sharing your screen with me and I'm looking at the information going, yeah, got it. I might check my emails, but once again, I'm not, you know, planning my vacation. Uh, Sarah, what's your experience? I'm just thinking to myself, Tom, my delinquent self, which (laughs) there's still a piece of that in there somewhere. I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe if the meeting wasn't so damn boring, people wouldn't be minimizing the screen. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm I'm really, I'm one of those people that when I, I look at fault, I like to look at the big picture of what's actually happening um, and get your employees. Well, yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, if, if you're using zoom or any other video application, welcome to the world of film and television. You know, there really are things you can do to entertain your audience and keep them from drifting. I mean, when I was working in post-secondary every year on personal development day, they would ask me to do a session because you know, instructors were going, my students think I'm boring. <laughs> and, and I would go in there and go, okay, well, if you're giving a lecture, here's some things you can do to stop being boring. And maybe those are the skills we need to be looking at because this type of spyware is destroying the confidence and trust in organizations. I mean, if, I mean, and once again, you're like, if I get called into HR or in by my manager and it was like, yeah, we've been running surveillance on you. It's, I mean, first of all, what about my privacy issues? And second of all, I'm leaving the company. I'm Tom, there are so many people. If you're, if you're working in a company, you have no privacy. If you're using a work computer, their work phone, you don't have any. And they'll tell you that right up front when you get it. You do not have an expectation of privacy. It's not your property and you're on your company's time. Devil's advocate. Yeah, but still, I mean, let's look at that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I just don't. There's mind. a reason it's called devil's advocate, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, but that's, but so that's yes, and that's, but I, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm Tom. Over to you. It's, it's. I mean, once again, it comes down to, boy, if you need this software, you got bigger problems. Yes. Yeah, you, you have an organization which is toxic you've got employees who aren't working you know if they're not working if they're not adding to the overall productivity of the organization then they've got no ownership you know what what is the benefits for them besides the paycheck because as we've seen repeatedly over the last couple of years the paycheck is like third to fifth now mm-hmm. on that list of important features. So, you know, once again, if you're, if you're a leader, if you're a manager who's looking at this type of software going, oh, maybe this is the answer to my, you know, to my problems. No, no, it's not. It only create more problems for you. And you really have to look at why your environment is toxic. Um, Sarah, there's got to be some great analytics that people can run as opposed to this type of Mm -hmm. thing that's going on. Absolutely. There's a lot of places that you can start. Me personally, I would do 360 
feedbacks with leadership first and foremost, because the leaders need to understand why the trust is broken between them and their employees in the first place to make them feel that they need to surveil them. Trust goes two ways in a relationship. It's not, you know, singular. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And if, you know, employees are being, uh, let's just say shady, sly with their time. Okay. Then what is that saying about the trust level between them and the person that is overseeing their, their performance? Now I do have an issue when people say the company's time. Okay. And so here's, here's why I'm not an advocate for hourly pay. And I never have been, I'm a pay for performance person. I love pay per project. I really hope we start to see more of that in the future. And here's why Um, I'm what you call a high performer. And so let's think about when I go back to my delinquent days in high school and middle school and college and all that, guess what? I was a delinquent because I was bored because I had already completed what was required of me. And that is often the case in workplaces for individuals that are high performers. They are held to the exact same time standards as their peers. And then they find themselves bored and they sit there and they go, what am I supposed to do? Facebook is keeping me from quitting my job. Yeah. So let's talk about engaging them with an ability to have, like you said, Tom, ownership over a project or an initiative or something else that can make the company more money. So, so where is the roadblock? I mean, you know, if 80 to 90% of companies are using this software mm-hmm. and the other 10% right now, I can guarantee you are looking at it. What is the messaging? Because this is going down a bad path. And once again, it's it's the managers and leaders who who need to take leadership here and ownership. So what are they missing? The problem is you have people who are being charged with leading people and with leading projects, and they're overwhelmed. Um, so I'm going to look from the lens of someone in mid-level management right now, and they are being charged with being a career coach. They're being charged with overseeing time cards and timesheets and HR function. They're being charged with making sure that processes and procedures are agile. And all of these different frameworks are incorporated into every slideshow that they perfect and present. And then they're being charged with also being a confidant many times to these employees that are often junior in both experience and age. That's a lot to put on one person's shoulders. And I recognize that. So I'm not going to sit here and say that leadership is lazy, but I am going to say leadership is lazy. And I'm not talking about mid-level management. I'm talking about their leadership because it comes down to whether or not we are equipping our mid-level managers, our people managers with the knowledge, skills, and abilities they need to be able to manage both people and projects? And do they have the amount of time and resources needed to do both? Or are we cutting corners for the sake of consumerism? That's an issue because as we're moving into this new era, we're seeing less and less of a desire for this consumerism and more and more of a desire for a holistic approach to employee experience. Um, Customers who are excuse me, employers who are as called customer obsessed need to also become employee obsessed. Um, Because at the end of the day, it's a people to people transaction. I don't care if you're selling a product or a service, it is a people to people transaction. Um, And so that's, I mean, 
I know that's a little bit up in the clouds for many, but that's, that's how I view the situation. You know, it's interesting because over the last few years, even before the pandemic, I started to notice that organizations were almost becoming anti-training. Like this is something that I have to spend money on and I don't see how it's going to benefit me. So they started to eliminate training because they didn't think it was adding to the profitability of the organization. And I think especially at the upper levels of leadership, that philosophy is still out there. I mean, it's, it's, we all got forced onto Zoom when we were all locked down, but did anybody offer any training on how to use it effectively? Well, that's also because most of the leaders that are in those senior level positions. Now, Tom, I've, I've mentioned this book a number of times, and I really hope our listeners will take the time to either listen to it or read it themselves, but it's called The Pendulum. And it talks about the different periods that societies go through, and it's like a waveform, okay? And we those leaders were at their prime in the midst of a highly competitive part of the waveform, which means they f- They value things like first place, productivity, uh, time management, accountability. These things are ingrained into them because that's when they were in their prime during their prime performance. And so they're expecting that same thing of the people who are in their prime coming through right now. The issue comes in when there's, there's a conflict there of values. Okay. One group is valuing productivity and performance and competitiveness. And the other group is valuing something different. The real challenge is to get the leadership at the top to begin valuing what the innovators coming through are are valuing. If you can connect those two pieces together, then guess what? Now you have both the knowledge, skills, and abilities to be able to be competitive, but you also have the value systems between those two groups linked. That is where the competitive advantage is. That's so, one of the most brilliant things I've heard in a very, if you can create that program, oh man, linking, say that again, paraphrase it for me. Yeah. So you're, you're essentially linking the knowledge, skills, and abilities of that generation that is in senior level executive leadership. Now, all of the things that are ingrained into them and those value systems, that's what they're operating from. Okay. And that's why these, these projects consist of monitoring and the like, because they're trying to force people that are coming through the innovators, the, I guess, fresher talent, younger talent, perhaps coming through to adopt those same value systems. So the challenge really is how do we get senior level executives to understand and respect the value systems of the innovators that are coming through at this time, because if we can connect those two pieces together, that is where the competitive advantage lies. It doesn't, it's not in competition of values, it's in shared values. So it's linking those. And -hmm. I think one of the key key words is appreciation. It kind of goes back to if you're a manager and you can't find anything uh, to appreciate about, like, let's say that you can't find anything to appreciate about them. There's two ways to look at it. Either I think as an employee, or maybe you're staying too high and you're not really, you're not being interim. So what can you appreciate of them? Because that appreciation is key. So if you can find that linkage where, you know, this group appreciates the values and the needs of this other group, and it's really just about appreciation, um, that that's golden. So when are you going to work on us? When is it going to roll out? Sarah Smith. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I've got, I've got a book in the works. Um, I actually already have a title and everything. It's called work face. And uh, hopefully coming soon, but it's all about the face that we bring 
when we go to work? And what does that mean generationally? What does it mean systemically? And how does it relate to future outlook for us? Wow. But that, and, you know, that's a tough one because, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest member of the panel here. And, you know, we people my age, we look down on every other generation. You know, millennials certainly don't have our work ethic. No, they've got a different work ethic and maybe theirs is actually better. But there's, you know, when I look around at people my age, there's very little interest, especially from leadership to embrace those other generations. You know, unless I'm trying to market to 20 year olds, then I might talk to somebody in their 20s. But we really don't appreciate those differences. We, you know, we're, we want everyone to work like we did because, you know, that's the way it's been done for the last 100 years. But this is a major shift and we need to embrace those other generations. But how do you get that message to leadership? You talk to them and you say, do you remember the time when you were in that phase of life, when the leadership at that age, when you were, you know, thirties, forties, and you were really prime hitting it hard, what kind of oppression did you feel from your leadership then? And do you really want to do that? Or do you want to empower this time? Break the cycle. I think part of it goes back. Yes. And and I think part of it goes back to, I mean, it's, it's almost like, do, do we, we cringe when we say performance management, performance appraisals. And I mean, it's so the systems are so broken, so broken. I think if companies can really focus on, can we, can we build, can we change our performance management system to look at what is and stop? The first thing is, all right, we got to stop. Let's pretend that performance is let's, I said, pretend, let's pretend that performance isn't, isn't tied to, uh, to pay, to pay increases, the salary increases, not going to pretend just for just for 10 minutes. So you can actually start to think of what a good performance management system looks like. And then you can go back and, and work through that. But you know, you gotta, you know, you take you gotta take into consideration some of the simple things. You know, is the job description up to date? We look at what leadership is, and part of leadership is guiding. People need guidance. Leadership is hard. Anyone that tells you that leadership is easy, I guess is a pretty natural, pretty good leader. <laughs> leadership is hard. It, it's hard. So what's one thing that can help? help leaders. If you have, you know, some other guiding lights, right? A good job description that the employees help uh, craft a little bit. And this can be, we're talking about, we're talking about all employees, you know, factory workers outside or this level, that level, everything, but they can fall back on that and say, look, this is what I can fall back on when I'm really looking at what's my purpose here and how am I tying in and then start to, and then relook at the, look at the scales. These old scales and hey, contact me if you need ideas because I have some in my back pocket. These old scales of meets expectations, does not meet expectations, exceeds those kinds of things. There are ways that that can get your company into legal hot water when it comes time. If a terminated employee decides to sue, not sue the person, sue in court, then okay. But there's also ways to do it in terms of how successful they are at accomplishing what those performance goals are, which folds way back in. So now we're doing a a full circle here back into like these monitoring systems. If we're looking at performance and we're we're looking at, okay, we have to make sure that our employees are productive. If we fall back to that performance management system, the one that's not bulky, it's not clunky, it's not one where managers once a year dread the performance management system. And where employees are excited about it because, oh, I've been working my butt off or I haven't. Let's see how I can use the system. But they get excited about it like the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden they're given feedback, but it's inaccurate feedback. 
So then they let their left feeling dismayed, feeling slighted because all they want was accurate feedback, but they couldn't get the accurate feedback because it's tied to some out of date compensation. Guys, am I going on a rant? It's tied to some out of date compensation program. So they can't get a, a, a four or five, even if they deserve it. So there are some things that are important to look at. And it goes, it's looking at the fundamentals. It's going mm-hmm. back to what Sarah said. It's find that finding these, these linkage, linkages, linkages, links, links yeah. which one? Links? I, would, I, would, I would say links. Um, it's about creating a common ground. And it's also about, I think you, you, you mentioned so many good things, Jeremy, and it really is about going back to basics. But I think at the end of the day, the message is leaders be the leader that you needed at one point in time. There's a great, that's I used to do this who you be. Yeah. That's who you show up as. Boss clone activity. I used to do this with some of my, some of the supervisory training. Would you, you know, would you want to be your own boss? If you cloned yourself, <laughs> would you want you to be your boss? And people are like, whoa, no, 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 no. I can tell you for one, I wouldn't, Jeremy, my expectations are too high. Right. So do the exercise yourself. You're sitting here listening to this. Pause. If you're listening to a recording, push pause and think to yourself for a second, would I want to be my own manager? And if no, why? And then what are three things I can do today to combat that? Yes, because it will help you. You're doing this exercise in the end because it'll it'll you'll find that the choices you make make your day less stressful. You, might, you know, you may or may not care about being liked, but you'll build better relationships. You won't have to hover over. Um, la- one one last thing before we close down that uh, the, the other piece of tech that we were that we're tell everyone about Slack, so your company can read your so Zoom claims that they do not. Uh, pri- quote, Zoom stresses that private chats are not made available. To- Slack, though, Slack allows workforce owner to read private messages between, um, and write in this article according to Crop. So consider only professional communications. You should behave in the exact same way as it, but I'm going to go back to there. Yeah. Have no you know, the devil's advocate thing here. No sort of how was your weekend? <laughs> that is forbidden on Slack now. Um, and, and isn't it true? Like if, if you're a corporate leader and you're looking at this software, save yourself time and money and call an IO, it'll be more productive. So in much the end. cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine how much you saw and IOs are so gas. Tom, thanks for that. Hey, you're welcome. I'm as the only non IO on the panel. I thought I should bring that forward. <laughs> it's always better when you have someone else endorsing you or, yeah. what you do or your profession, your Sarah, you've got a uh, half-tilted, three-quarter smile on your face. Do you have a thought? Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking that this was a good one, guys. This was a good one. And I'm glad we went here um, because there are so many people that are unaware that this is happening. And if we can even be a small part of that megaphone, I'm, I'm pleased. So thank you for today. Let's see if we get any reaction from those companies. <laughs> I welcome them to call me. <laughs> call Sarah, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, thank you for listening. Closing out in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.